Welcome to Blink of an Eye, life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies, beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down, and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews, Blink of an Eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything. Episode 26, Little Angel. I hope you are enjoying the new podcast format with each episode now in two separate parts the story, and the trauma healing learnings. It gives you the ability to stop at the story or go to the learnings or to go back and forth between past learnings after each story. It was you, the listeners, who helped shape this new change. Thank you. We try to read every email that comes in, and I love hearing from you. You are listening in from all over the place, and I love your comments and your emails too. Can you feel that energy that we are creating together? I hope you do, and I hope you feel supported to look deeper within your own life and to reach out to someone else in a traumatic situation who needs a lift. We are all interconnected. Okay, so in the story, we are on day five. So let's get started. But before we do, do you know what I realized? I shared with you how day five ended rather tumultuously. But I didn't tell you about how day five began. It's a fact, as many of you already know from your own personal experiences, that one day in an ICU can have crazy ups and downs with dramatic differences. Well, if you didn't know that, you do now. I'm spending some micro time on this look back in the first week of the catastrophic injury because... It helps us together to see a few things, perhaps with fresh eyes. Yes, a deeper understanding of how conflict builds, including marital conflict, in a situation of great loss. How overwhelm happens to even the strongest people. And how resilient we can be when we are given information. And, oh, of course, how absolutely breathtaking it is to receive the support of others, including those in the universe. You know, the universe created by the supreme creator, whom I call God, or spirit, source, joy, yes, that support is there for us all along if we just open our eyes and believe. We are never alone. Okay, so settle in. Get your coffee or your Kleenex. Here we go. Back to when I woke up in Cape May the morning of day five. Oh, how the divine source is always working in our lives. August 9th, day five. Life can change in the blink of an eye. I awoke to a ping on my phone. It was 7.34 a.m. It was a text from Billy. He said, if you go to Mass this morning, see if you can get a PIX to bring communion to Archer. Mass. Oh my gosh. Is it Sunday? I didn't even realize it was Sunday. I definitely hadn't made plans to go to Mass. My body 
was so tired. I had tried to sleep last night once I got home. I think it was around 2.30 in the morning. But the pings from others texting me continued into the dawn. I wanted to read and answer them all. Bless them all as they energized me, actually. But I felt my eyes and my arms getting very tired trying to respond and keep up. But I so wanted to stay connected. But that text from Billy surprised me. And that is what actually woke me up after I had dozed off a couple hours. Why so early was Billy texting me, I wondered. Hmm. Did that mean Archer did not have a good night? I called Billy. He reported that Archer had had a restless night and that he had a fever. He sounded a bit upset about that. I asked if the medical staff said they would need to watch that, and he said, mm-hmm, closely. He sounded tired and told me to go to Mass and come back to Atlantic City after that, and we'd switch places then. Going to Mass on Sundays was our family's regular routine. Billy also seemed a little agitated, saying Archer really needed to rest. I asked if he wanted to talk when I got there, as we had so many decisions to make. And he said, probably not. Just send me your list. I thought that was a little strange, but he was right. I did usually make lists about just about everything. He knew I'd have a list. Okay, I said. That's a good idea. When things were complicated in our busy lives, Billy and I had always relied on creating pre-meeting agendas, and then we'd meet, sit down, and hammer out whatever we needed. I mean, we did that because we were running a business together. But as our family grew, we relied on agendas for meetings about the kids too. But I wondered, when would we find the time to talk now? We seemed to be passing like ships in the night. I noticed he seemed a little clipped, but I figured he was just exhausted. No sooner had we hung up than he texted me. Archer wants to know if any of his friends are coming today. I was pleased that that ABC board was obviously working. I texted back, no, they are coming tomorrow. Billy texted me back, good, he needs rest today. I thought to myself, I guess it must have been a bad night. Okay. Yes, today will be a good day of rest for all of us. But I also knew it would set Archer at ease if he had information and know that things were in the works for his friends to come, since a lot of those plans were materializing late last night, and he had asked me earlier. I knew that is what meant a lot to him, and I saw how his eyes lit up with the friends who had come. I texted Billy back, agree, please tell Archer both pieces, visit tomorrow and rest today. I thought about rolling back over in my bed to try to go back to sleep, but I was finding that sleep is a tricky thing when you have a loved one in the ICU. You don't wanna ever turn your phone off and friends, they're communicating with you too at all hours. Billy and I had both seen how crazy busy it was every day. So many texts and so much information. I was actually worried I wouldn't remember it all. I just had this feeling that I needed to document it. I still didn't understand some of it. We both had decided that there should be one primary medical contact. I actually would highly recommend that because 
we had already been thrown off a bit by different medical staff telling each of us different things. Okay, I know it could be how Billy and I were interpreting what they said in different ways, but whatever it was, it was tiresome to Billy, and he told me to be the primary point of contact since I write everything down. I was grateful. I felt it was generous of him, actually. Gosh, I was thankful once again for those Walgreen notebooks Petey brought for me and the legal pads my office had sent. You know, a writing pad of ruled paper. I can't do without them for my mediations. Billy and I had also promised each other a couple days ago that I'd write anything significant in the notebook and leave it on the counter where he could read it when he arrived. And he'd write anything down significant during the night in the same notebook. I had labeled the notebook medical. It seemed to be working okay. There was a little irony though. Even though we seemed to have worked out a good communication plan, and I would recommend that, it also seemed to be creating mm, almost a silo between us. Louise on day shift, Billy on night shift. Want to know anything? Look at the notebook. I wonder, you know, if that's not what has happened to many in the medical community regarding electronic notes, siloing. Do you know what I mean? I rolled back over and picked up my phone. I texted Billy. I haven't rested as planned, so I'll nap now 45 minutes, go to mass, get a pics, be there after. If Archer's sleeping, maybe we can meet to talk in cafeteria before changing of guard, or we can talk by phone. If you can rest, do it while you can these crazy days just like the old days with a newborn baby. Rest when they rest. When we're all stronger, we can work while Archer rests. My text to Billy continued. My topics. Notifying Christian, getting plan and telephone call with Justin, Mika's role, book launch, Dutch, August 25th to September 2nd, September generally, Kernan Hospital or Johns Hopkins Hospital, XO. We had a lot of balls to juggle. Oh, Christian was our book publisher at HCI, Simon Schuster. Justin was our new hire two weeks ago to be our director of our nonprofit, Mika was a Baltimore Mediation staff member. We were transitioning over to our nonprofit, et cetera, et cetera. Billy and I always did financially have tons of things to meet on every August with the kids' tuitions and college moves. But this year, we had the new book, and we had just hired four new employees to help launch a new nonprofit we were starting to carry the being relational message of well-being. I was also launching a leadership institute on being relational to include a service component. And I was still running Baltimore Mediation with other employees. But that wasn't on Billy's list. And now, well, here we are. Archer was in the hospital. He had a fever. And the hospital administration was pressing both of us for where we would have Archer transferred for his rehabilitation. Some docs had told Billy that Archer would be discharged in a week. Others told me 15 days. We had a lot to discuss and figure out. I rolled over, put my face in my pillow. We can just figure out now until August 24th taking the worst case scenario, then we can be home, back to work, and figure out how to get Archer to and from rehabilitation. 
almost exactly 45 minutes later, I received this text from Billy, which woke me up. Okay, Kennedy Krieger, question mark. More things, book launch, employees generally, office building, LPS, WWS, oh, that's how Billy and I come to refer to each other in written correspondence. LPS, WWS, primary caregiver, question mark. LPS, WWS, primary breadwinner, question mark. I felt a flash of heat. LPS, WWS, get job on someone else's payroll to remove pressure on getting business, question mark. Oh my God, these were old issues, but I could feel that old flicker of heat surging through my body. And it was like it had a mind of its own, just took me over. I knew Billy had not intended to do that to me, but those words did. I knew from my conflict transformation teachings that these were perhaps not fully resolved issues as I thought they were. They were dangerous issues for me. I knew that heat was a danger signal. But all the knowing in the world did not stop that surge. That's what was so interesting for me, as if I were studying myself. I knew Billy was putting those topics on our list for discussion, and I could see he was thinking about some of the same things I was thinking. But those other things, when he did that before, he did it because he was scared and he wanted things a certain way. He's tough when he wants something a certain way, which for him almost always was approached as you have to give something up. But I guess I was scared too. In fact, as part of this look back, I think that is what I was most scared about. That Billy or this situation would force me to give something up something really precious to me. It took both of us to run our mediation firm, but I was the primary breadwinner, as in Rainmaker. But I wanted to stay with Archer. Louise, take a deep breath. What else did Billy say? Back to his text, he said, defer the institute or push for it, question mark. Well, I'm glad he was thinking about that, but oh my God, the Bean Relational Leadership Institute, everything I have wanted to do and the book was the foundation. Was he really asking me to defer it? All I could reply was, topic. We need to tell Christian we need 10,000 more books and to notify Amazon. For any family that earns its living operating a family business or earns its living by working for someone else by the hour and is not a salaried employee and then has a loved one in the intensive care unit, it's a crisis. It really is. The domino effect is real. I knew that. But believe it or not, that's not how I felt on day five. I was of the mindset, we need to figure things out to keep things going and care for Archer. It was a both mentality for me. I do remember, though, feeling a low-level pressure. I could not quite put my finger on it. Something rather extraordinary then happened. 
Remember how I told you it was Sunday and Billy had texted me to bring Archer communion? I was perplexed about that request since Archer was on a feeding tube and they wouldn't even allow us to give him water. I read Billy's text again. If you go to mass this morning, see if you can get a pix to bring communion to Archer. We can give it to him in tiny bits. <laughs> there was something inside of me that fluttered a little. What a beautiful idea. He was right. It would be good for Archer. It's the bread into the body of Christ. But little bits into his feeding tube? As I'm reading this to you, I am sure I am giving many nurses a heart attack. But why not in little bits? Or maybe tiny little bits on his tongue. It would dissolve. Is that what Billy meant? I wasn't sure. I loved him and I trusted him that it would not harm Archer. And I knew since he asked me, we'd figure out a way. But how would we do that? In teeny, tiny, tiny bits, I guess. Well, why not, right? So I did get myself to Mass. I drove on my way out of town. Now, I would normally have ridden my bicycle to our little Catholic church in Cape May, Our Lady Star of the Sea on the Washington Street Mall with Billy or some of the kids and gotten our favorite iced coffees at the Akamea Bakery and a piece of fudge at the fudge kitchen afterwards. But that was not in my plan for that day. Something else was. Something most extraordinary. Our Sunday Masses at Our Lady Star of the Sea Church in the summer are the place to be. It's the most amazing thing because for most of the years we had gone to Cape May in the summer, there were literally Masses on Sunday on the hour, the Catholic hour, 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9.15 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 11.45 a.m., giving enough time for people to get in and out, as they were always packed with people. I kid you not, packed to the gills. I always loved to ride my bike, and I'd usually go to the 10.30 a.m. The homilies were great. The music was uplifting. And I have no idea where all those Catholics came from in the summer. But the way I saw it, we were all showing up for less than an hour, once a week, to give thanks to God for the ability to be in such a wonderful place as Cape May, God's country, as they say in the mountains, and as we say on the East Coast, the Jersey Shore. So I slipped in through the side door of the stone church, my usual, and navigated through the rows of folks standing wherever they could, facing the front. I found a standing room only spot where I could see which priest was saying the mass. I was determined to go and ask him after mass if he had a pix, the special container he would lend me to take communion to Archer. I was a Eucharistic minister at our church back in Baltimore, and I was hoping he would extend that privilege to me to carry the body of Christ to Archer but I knew I needed a special picks to do that. My mind was wandering as I tried to listen. I had Billy's and my list of decisions on my mind. I usually love mass and I love to sing at mass as it lifts my heart. <laughs> when I was a girl, I was always told by both orders of nuns who taught me, the Ursulines and the Dominicans, that when you sing, you pray twice. I always loved that as a little girl, and I would sing my heart out. But when I opened my mouth to sing that day, my mouth was frozen. I was literally lock-jawed. 
I wanted to sing. But hard as I struggled, something was caught so deeply in my throat that I could not. It upset me. I don't know if that's ever happened to you before, but my neck was paralyzed. And I felt those darn hot tears again beginning to roll down my cheeks. What is wrong with me, Lord? Please help me. I looked around. Why am I even here? I've got to get back to Archer. It was really crazy because there I was in church, surrounded, packed in by believers, believers in God, but they were packed around me like sardines in a tin can and tank tops and bathing suit cover-ups and sandals and golf shorts and tennis shoes. But I felt, why am I here? And I felt so alone. No one would understand the heaviness of my heart. I scanned the crowd. Who are these people? I don't belong here. I felt a wave of panic, of claustrophobia. I wanted to get away and get back to Archer. Have you ever had a similar experience? Grief is so strange, isn't it? It can show up as claustrophobia. And you think you are the only one who can feel so low and heavy and that there is no one in the world who could understand even when there are actually so many. But that's not what it's like. And no one can convince you if they don't first get you. And so I stood there in my own world, very still, with the tears silently rolling down my face. I was aware of the many people around me, people I did not know, but people who were just there like I was to go to Mass. But I noticed a strange thing that was happening in my mind. I was sort of starting to create a separateness, like a splitting. Yes, that's what I was doing in my thinking. They were going to the beach. I was going back to the ICU. They would worry about, I don't know, forgetting to bring the mustard for the sandwiches they packed for lunch or you know, getting a little sand in the peanut butter, forgetting the sunscreen, or maybe the worst of their day would be a seagull who snatched their lunch. I was worried about whether Archer's lungs had drained and if he could breathe and if a tiny fragment of a communion might choke him because he had no ability to move or do anything on his own. It was just surreal. And so weird. So I was sort of creating a separate world, walling myself off from them. When, as if out of nowhere, we were on the petitions, you know, that part of the mass where we pray for other people. And I heard the lady at the podium on the altar and the microphone say, Please pray for Archer Sempt, who has been in a diving accident in the ocean. Oh, my God. I felt myself careening like my knees were giving away. Everyone was responding, Lord, hear our prayer. And I was collapsing. And the next thing I knew, I was literally in the arms of, I opened my eyes. Mary Ellen? There she was, like an angel. I almost didn't recognize her. Her very long blonde hair, which I guess is usually knotted up in a bun on top of her head, 
She was my friend from the beach whom I've seen for years from a distance. I mean, we're not friends. I mean, we are friends. I mean, we'd meet in the ocean when the ladies would go out and take a dip, tread water and make a circle out in the surf off the Cape May shore and just talk. And when I'd see them, I'd usually go join them. That's how we knew each other. I didn't even know where she was from. But there she was. Where had she come from? I didn't even know she was Catholic. And she was literally beside me and caught me. It seemed effortless. She very gently righted me back up. And in that moment, I felt her love. I felt so supported. And I looked around and felt totally surrounded by love. All those people. It was like I was totally connected to every single person in that church. I was. I stood there and I was flooded with love. And they were praying for Archer. How did they know? It was incredible. And in that blink of an eye moment, I felt restored. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Mary Ellen. How is it that these things happen this way? Have you ever had such an experience? It was truly a God wink. I wondered how Mary Ellen felt or if she even knew the significance for me. All these years later, I had a chance to catch up with Mary Ellen McNally and interview her about something we have never talked about before. I learned she lived in Delaware and that she was an analytical chemist with DuPont at the time of the accident and now with FMC. Here are a few excerpts. And I don't know where you want to start in our time together, but I will tell you what was tip top of mind for me was within just days, the weekend after Archer was injured. So he was injured on a Wednesday, August the 5th. And it was that weekend, Sunday, it was the 9th of August, when Lo and behold, I had no idea, but you and I were at the same mass at, uh, in Cape May. And Marianne, I didn't even know you were Catholic. Oh, all those wow. years of yeah. talking with you on the beach. We, we usually, you and I usually talked about worldly things and, and right. And I don't know if you even remember that. Oh, I, well, I do remember it. And it's funny that you should say that because, you know, I, I am not a uh, regimented enough person on the weekend that I always go to the same mass. But when I'm in Cape May, you know, I do try to go to mass on Sunday morning. And for some reason that morning, I, I don't know which mass it was, but I had a feeling that I needed to be there. Really? So the fact that I saw you there and uh, I, when I saw you there, I knew, I knew to stand behind you for some reason. So I don't forget that. I remember that distinctly. Oh, Mary Ellen, I am getting goosebumps. My hair is standing straight up on end. Yes. That is the Holy Spirit passing over for me. 
because, you know, I ride my bike and, you know, some mornings it's a little more hectic at home and getting out and stuff like that. But, yeah, no, I do remember that distinctly that I had this feeling that I needed to be there. And when and I didn't, you know, I didn't think of that I would see you there. I didn't have any, you know, premonition of what was going to happen. But when I saw that you were there, I had the sense that I should be near you. Thank you. There you go. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, who knows um, where that comes from? Let's say, call well, that divine providence or whatever. But that's, that's what I mean. Okay, so well, let's actually, let's pause on that because call it divine providence. What is it that prompted you to listen, to have that feeling and to listen to it and then act on it? Do you have a sense of that? Um. Well, you know, as a scientist, you're you're very regimented in terms of your thought processes around experimentation and what needs to be done. So your experiments are thorough. But um, I have always tried to listen to my gut, and so you know, that's just a gut. That was just a gut feeling that said, you know, you need to do this. And the times in my life when I haven't followed it. I've always regretted it. Wow. So that, you know, so that's what I do. Yeah. So it came with some. It came with just like this, this need, oh, you know, you need to be at this one. And, you know, I go to mass and I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, I don't always go to the eight. I don't always go to the 11, whatever it is, you know, whatever happens to fit into my schedule that day. But yeah, that day I had a feeling to be there. So I do remember that. Amazing. There I was wondering all these years later if Mary Ellen would even remember that day at Our Lady Star of the Sea. And I come to find out she followed some sort of whisper that told her to go to that mass on that Sunday. Isn't that incredible? Wow. She and I continued in our conversation, and I had another little aha. Well, that day, I'm not so sure I had planned to go either, but Billy had texted me asking, I had just been home for about four hours to sleep, and I got his text asking me if I would bring communion to Archer. Oh. And I, I was like, how in the heck am I going to do that? He's got all these tubes in him. He can't eat. He can't drink. He, but Billy wanted me to bring communion to him. So I had to figure out how to go to mass and then get a PIX. And I wasn't friendly on a personal basis with any of the priests at star of the sea back then right we were we were like you we were just you know it was the place where we went to mass on sundays right and right. we didn't always go to the same mass right uh but we but for the most part you know how they used to have masses like on the hour right on the hour i love that but okay they don't do that anymore i know they don't do it anymore it's such a shame but i loved it too and in fact, I'll tell you just a little anecdotally, but I knew the earliest mass used to be six o'clock in the morning because our son, Pete, actually, when he was in middle school, would get up and go to six o'clock mass and then he would go surfing. And oh. I remember thinking, where else do you find a place on earth where your middle school kid will actually go to church on his own and then go surf? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So. I mean, it was just too, it was too good to be true, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, but I went and what I remember about that is I went up into that side door, you know, it's, it's yeah, August. That's my door. Yep. Your door. Okay. <laughs> so, it's hot. It was, you know, that, that week in Cape May was hotter than blazes, hot, hot, hot. And Church was, per usual, packed. Right. And I, I remember navigating my way 
and I was distracted. Um, I had a lot on my mind and I, I just remember, I remember going to sing. I love to sing and I couldn't get anything out. Like I was just, uh -huh. and then I started to get a little quavery and then they did the petitions. Do you remember? Yeah, the and they announced, they asked for prayers for Archer, right? They did. They asked for prayers for Archer. And I thought I was going to fall over. I thought you were too. <laughs> so, so remember that? So what happened? Yeah, I, 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 remember that. I thought, oh my God, she's going to fall over. And I didn't know if anybody else knew who you were. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that was what was so spectacular about it because I lost my balance when they said Archer Sempt, and then they said, who was in a diving accident and is paralyzed in the ICU. I, 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 I was feeling so alone standing there, like all these people around me, nobody knows me, nobody knows what I'm going through. They're gonna go to the beach. And I, I, I was on vacation, like, you know, what has happened? And I just completely, and I turned, Mary Ellen, and there you were, and you grabbed me, and you just held me. It's tear jerking, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. I won't forget that. And that you knew to move close to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Mary Ellen, I didn't even know God you were put family. you where he needs you to be. And so you needed me and he put me there. Mary Ellen was my angel that day. Do you believe in angels? I think Mary Ellen's angels and my angels were working together that day. She not only trusted a little whisper that told her to go to that mass, she trusted a feeling that told her to stand next to me. I just marvel at that to this day. I guess God really wanted Archer to have that divine bread. Have you ever had times when a chain of events happens with no causation or seeming connection, and you learn later, it is all connected and does seem divine? It might involve someone just showing up out of nowhere, maybe even a stranger, and they do a really remarkable thing for you or in concert with you, like soul-to-soul -soul connection. I bet you might have a story yourself. Well, I don't think these events are just accidents. Do you? Mary Ellen didn't think so either. You know, I also just recently learned from Mary Ellen in our interview that she had prior life traumas as well. She told me she just had to learn to listen and to trust in a deeper way. I think about that now, that just like the angels were at work telling Mary Ellen to go to that mass, and I would see it placing that feeling in her to get close to me, she had to be able to listen and to listen to her body, to hear them. That grace, it's so powerful. Grace allowed Mary Ellen to heal and to feel strong enough again in her life so she could trust again and say yes to the whispers of angels and the Holy Spirit. 
and the feelings in her body. Yes, she did listen and trust. And I was the grateful beneficiary. Just when I was sinking into a feeling so alone, I didn't feel alone anymore. I was restored. Yes, Archer was still a quadriplegic. And yes, I had to hurry back to that hospital because he had taken a step backwards as his body struggled to breathe. But I was able to carry on that day for him. It's amazing, isn't it? And Mary Ellen's and my visiting this together is making even more sense of the mystery of how it all happened. <laughs> Mary Ellen and I will be close friends now forever. That interview helped us sort of dial into each other. We're on the same frequency, you know? You know what I mean. Oh, yes, we are all so connected. You might consider setting up a time, in person if possible, to talk about and revisit an old life-changing situation for you with someone else too, going back to when it all happened. I bet you would gain some insights, and I bet the other person would too. I always knew that was the part of the path of conflict transformation. I know now it's part of the path of integration for trauma healing, too. There is a certain mystery in being connected and feeling more expansive. It's so restorative and hopeful. Do you feel the gratitude in that? Oh, I do. Isn't it extraordinary the way the divine spirit moves in our lives, allowing us to trust and to trust again? As I drove back to Atlanticare, I remember my mind filled with amazement and possibility as I carefully held in my lap the precious communion in the pics father had lent me, wrapped in a beautiful white linen with an embroidered delicate red cross. Such kindness and generosity. I felt transported. Yes, day of rest, Sunday, day of Thanksgiving. When I returned to the hospital, I felt very hopeful. Billy met me in the hallway, and he told me he would be back after he got some coffee. He said Archer's lacrosse coaches had just left, coming all the way from Delaware back to Baltimore to see him. So kind. But Billy seemed very out of sorts. I went immediately to Archer's side. I put my hand to his forehead, and he was warm. Billy was right. He seemed very weak. I made a cool washcloth compress and held it on Archer's forehead. I thought maybe he smiled. Maybe not. He didn't move. I was on the second or third round of cool compresses. When I looked at my phone and had text messages from others I had never texted with before, like another friend from the Cove Beach in Cape May, Gina Lanza. She texted, Hi, Louise, just heard about Archer. I know James well. Preacher at church today has a healing ministry, and we prayed for Archer's complete healing. Let the prayers, praises, and grace flow. God will see you through. Hope you don't mind, but I'm forwarding your number to my friend, Sue Wonder. Went through a similar event from that tragedy. She grew so much in faith, she wrote a book called Enough for Today. It will help you get through. She will probably reach out. 
We will all pray without ceasing. All will be well for you. Hang on. God's grace has been called to action. Love, Gina. I was so moved to be hearing from Gina again. A woman I knew just from being in the same area of the beach out in the water. Isn't that amazing? Peripheral friends, you know. She and I had connected in a conversation some years back because there was talk of a swing, jitterbug, shag, beach music kind of band coming to play locally. And we both said we liked to dance. It's funny, you know, because we had really connected that day about dancing. And we said we'd go dancing together. And year after year, when we'd meet periodically out in the ocean with the other ladies, we'd say, hey, this is the summer. We'll go dancing. But we never did. But it didn't matter because that first conversation all those years ago, if you will, when we both found out we had something in common that we loved, that's what connected us. Whether we ever went dancing together or not. Do you know what I mean? I didn't even have her in my phone for her name to come up. But there she was, texting me. I was so grateful she identified herself. She referred to a preacher. I didn't know she went to church either. I wondered if maybe she was Methodist or Baptist. I wasn't sure. But those details didn't matter to me either. What mattered was that they were praying for Archer. That meant the world to me. I knew God would hear their prayers. I was really moved. I was aware at a visceral level that there was almost like a swelling of support. And for me, it was creating a rising tide of hope all around Archer for his recovery. As I sat bedside looking at Archer in this horrible situation, I felt the support of those outside the hospital. Maybe I was still feeling the Holy Spirit as I carried the precious consecrated bread. Oh, I'm not sure if maybe it was all the same. Everything was one. I am truly beginning to think it is one. But all I could tell you then is that when I looked over at the host, I had put carefully on the counter in the corner safely. I honestly felt like I was sort of vibrating, like there was an energy current I could feel from the prayers of others. It was a Sunday like no other Sunday I had experienced. I was grateful to be back by Archer's side. I realized how settled I felt by his side more than anywhere else. If you've ever cared for someone you love and they are in a really bad way, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All you want to do is be with them and totally care for them, right? The smallest things, that's just it. The small things, what I'd wanted staff to do to help ease Archer's discomfort. But I was learning that I could do those things. The hospital room was not just theirs. It was ours, too. I could see that the staff did not have the capacity to do all that Archer needed anyway. Cool compresses, dabbing his mouth, itching his ear, 
getting his hair out of his face, mopping the perspiration off his brow. I knew Archer's lungs needed to drain to bring that fever down, and anything that helped him or that was good was good news to me. I decided I would use my imagination and visualize his lungs draining as I said a rosary and asked Mother Mary to please help Archer's body to rid itself of these fluids. Whatever might give Archer even the smallest amount of comfort or relief. Dear Mother, that's all I want. Please, tell me what to do. I tried to pay close attention and to listen to any guidance that might come to me. I tried to anticipate what Archer might need so that he wouldn't have to use any unnecessary energy going through the ABC board to ask for it. He was only blinking now, and very little. It was tricky to try to read his mind or his body to figure out if he really wanted something or not without having to make him respond. Have you ever been in such a situation? I was very aware of a delicate balance of caring. Not too much, not too little. So I remember sitting with him in silence a great deal of time trying to create a peaceful environment. I then had an idea to sing softly to him. <laughs> so I did. I sang to Archer songs he loved when he was a little boy. Why not? Songs are always so comforting. As I began, I said, Archer, if you want me to stop, just blink once. I watched him intently, and I thought, hmm, which song should I sing? Arch, here's one of your favorites. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. You know, it's such a privilege to take care of someone when they truly cannot for themselves. It's an honor to bring comfort of any kind. That's how I feel. How do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I always loved about being a new parent, as I wanted to learn everything I could about babies. And once I learned, I could just do it. Like when they were screaming on a jag, they were not hungry, didn't have a wet diaper. I swallowed them tight and snug like a mummy in a soft cotton blanket. And I'd hold them close, have them feel safe and warm like they were back in the womb. Because my mom had taught me. It always worked. Yeah, I think that's what I always loved about being pregnant too. I wanted to learn all that I could. I really did love every minute of being pregnant even in the hot Baltimore summers when I put on 50 pounds, which I did each time, all five times. I was fascinated by the changes in a mother's body to carry life. And I loved nursing each of my babies so much. Oh, I did. Giving them what I thought was the best start in life, breast milk, and a start, truly, that only a mother can give. Mm hmm 
such a mother's privilege, especially when they had no ability to ask or make these requests for themselves. <laughs> it's funny that I had that memory. It was so sweet. All my babies. Oh, Archer, darling, here we are. You're not a baby anymore. I don't know what to do this time. But I'll learn. I will learn. I promise. I studied Archer. And I studied his body hooked up like a science experiment. And was aware again of the sounds of the lung machine the swishing of air and fluids and all the monitors and now the bed too, humming and blinking and pulsing. I shifted my attention to another memory of many years before and it was as if all those sounds receded and became far away. And I was back to being a young mom again. But then one of the machines would alarm and I would be jolted back into the reality of that hospital room. And one of the nurses would enter and I'd stand out of the way. But I would watch her as I was learning. Isn't the mind fascinating? the way it is so capable of transporting you back in time and projecting you forward in time and shifting back to the now, oscillating back and forth at will. I couldn't imagine what it was like for Archer. I hoped he was able to use his mind and imagine himself in a happy memory while his body healed. I remembered something else about my own mom when I was a little girl. Every time I'd get a vaccination shot, and it seemed like we went for so many. I remember, I remember her saying the DPT, or was it the DTP? Anyway, you know what I mean, diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis. And then there was polio, smallpox, oral polio vaccine, I know I'm dating myself, measles, mumps, rubella, and all the booster shots. You know what she'd do? She'd shield my view, never letting me see the needle as the pediatrician would prepare the shot. And she'd say, close your eyes, imagine the cattails at the water's edge blowing gently in the warm breeze. Keep your eyes closed. Do you see all those reeds and those cattails growing up out of the water, just blowing gently in the breeze, gently in the breeze? She told me to imagine that image every time I can remember every time I had to have a shot. Oh, God, please let Archer use his imagination and good mind you gave him to bring himself some comfort. And please, Lord, please let him walk again. I felt the stinging again in my eyes. You know that text from Gina? the one I just told you about with the preacher, I realized today how I completely missed when I was bedside to Archer what Gina had told me in that text about someone named Sue Wonder and about how God will act. Remember Sue Wonder? I introduced you to her earlier she was another angel to me when she showed up at the hospital. 
But when she arrived, I didn't know who she was or where she had come from. And I realize now it was Gina who told her how to find me. But I just didn't take that in back then. Little angels helping me. And I had no idea. And when I learned as I looked again at the same text and notes now, five years plus later, it truly was as if for the first time. Thank you, angels. Little epiphanies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like little puzzle pieces handed to you from out of nowhere that gently help you make sense of things. Help you along just when you need it or when you're ready like maybe I wasn't ready then I don't know maybe I didn't have my eyes open but I do think they're handed to us by angels I do I know now they are part of integration we each need for our own trauma healing so it just makes sense that they would come from the divine. I mean, doesn't it? That we would receive these little reminders like messengers from God's universe. That we are whole and that we are not broken and that we are not alone. We really are all one and part of one. Oh, there is so much support for us to live fully. Let's take a moment and give thanks for little angels. The ones you have in your life and the ones you haven't yet met, but they are there for you. They were there for me. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Sending love. Hope for everything. Obtain everything. To hear the learnings that go with this story, tune in and listen to episode 26, Little Angel Trauma Healing Learnings. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Please subscribe via email on our site, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. This episode is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. For 28 years, Baltimore Mediation has served clients worldwide by facilitating negotiation breakthroughs, believing in their capacity for meaningful face-to-face -face dialogue. You can learn more at BaltimoreMediation.com.